You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, good morning, Midtown. Good to see you guys. Good to see Midtown family. Happy New Year. Hope you enjoyed your Christmas break and the two uh, relatively short weeks, different uh, type of schedule. Uh, my name is Justin Christopher. If I haven't met you, um, I'm the executive pastor here at Midtown. Um, if you're new to Midtown, would love to meet you afterwards, so come say hi, or if you fill out your connection card, I actually would even love to buy you coffee and get together, uh, get to know your story a little bit too. So fill out that connection card, and we'll be glad to get back in touch with you. Um, we are in the first Sunday of the new year, right? So we're doing this two-week series on, called Virtuous uh, Resolutions. Uh, we thought it'd be a good sermon series for two reasons. Uh, one reason that it is kind of the start of the year, right? And many people make resolutions this time of year. And typically when you make a resolution, it's something along the lines of like wanting to become a better person, right? So we said, well, what if this year we made it our resolution or to ha- be more virtuous? Like what would it look like for us to be more virtuous? And we really get that from many of Paul's letters when he would write the churches, he would write them. And a lot of times it would include like a list of virtues. And those were things that he was encouraging the church to grow in these virtues so they could better love and care for each other. And so we want to see if we can commit to some virtues ourselves so that we can love and care for each other. That's one reason. Whether you call it a resolution or not, what we hope that you would do is do it. If you uh, were here last week, if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to the podcast. You'll get the first six resolutions. Today we're going to do, or six virtues rather. And then today we're going to get six more virtues. And our aim really, real practically, is what we had hoped that you would do is that listening to the previous six and listening to these six, that you might pick one or two of them out that you would say, hey, this year, this is a virtue that I want to grow in. And so that's a real practical aim is that one of these might speak to your heart so that you would say, hey, I want to grow in this area in the next year to come. Call it a resolution, call it a faith goal, a growth goal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, We're just hoping that we would take some steps to grow. But there's a second reason why we're doing this series, and that's because our our goal as a church for this year, we we kind of do a a year-long goal from September to August. That's kind of our ministry year. And the the elders and the staff spent a good time this summer praying about what is the goal, what are the things that God has for us this next year. And we felt like the two areas we really wanted to grow in this year were prayer and care. Because we realized that our vision to see the day when every man, woman, and child in Austin hears the gospel from someone who loves them, that's like a really difficult vision, right? Right. And we could tell that through that last year that a lot of people were burdened and starting to even be burnt out in some ways. And so we came up with this next year. What we want to do is we want to grow in prayer because in prayer, that's how we rely on God. We're saying, God, we can't do this without you. But we also want to grow in care because we're recognizing, like, if we want to accomplish this, we need each other and we can't do it without each other. And so in November, we did a little short series on prayer that was fitting with that goal for this year. And this is kind of our two-week series really focused on care. And so we hope that we could grow and care for one another. Now, the reason why these virtues are so important is because one simple reason. We said it last week, relationships are hard, right? I had a great time last week. Uh, Some of you guys came up to me afterward and said, when you do this series next year, could you do it the week before Christmas? Because I just saw my family, and this would have been really good to have beforehand, right? So I heard tons of stories, and some of you came up to me and said, like, oh, man, this is so convicting, and I tried to live it out this week, and I couldn't do it. And, and others said, well, my family's actually coming into town this week, so I'm, I'm going to prepare to, to, to live this way. And the fact is that relationships are just difficult, right? Because we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different personalities. We all have different hurts and things that have shaped us and make us who we are. I shared this little quote. It's one of my uh, favorite quotes when I think about relationships. It says, to, uh, to dwell above with saints of old, to me that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints I know, now that's a different story, right? 
because our relationships are difficult. But one of the things that I love that when Paul would write these letters to these churches and he would give them these list of virtues, it really is, you can know that he was assuming two things. One, he was assuming that there would be difficulty, there'd be conflict. That's why he would write about these virtues and say, here's some things we want to grow in. This is what it looks like to mature in our faith, is to grow in these things, recognizing, assuming there would be conflict. But the second assumption that I really love that's kind of intrinsic within these passages that we've looked at is it assumes that we can grow. We really can grow. Like these virtues are things that we can see develop in our lives and grow so that our relationships become easier and easier, more life-giving. So that's what we're aiming to do. So we're going to go through six more today. I would encourage you to go listen to the podcast for the last six if you wanted to get those as well. And again, real practically, we're hoping that maybe one of these, God, would speak to your heart and say, yeah, this is an area that I really want to grow in. So I'm going to walk through the six, and I'm hoping to tie like a little midtown story because I also want to commend us and say when I, when I was studying this week and thinking about these six things, I could point to dozens and dozens of stories where I already see this being lived out among us, like it's already happening, which is so awesome to see. And so I hope to highlight a couple of those stories just to encourage us that, that we are doing this, even though there's always room to grow. So let's read the passage together, then I'll pray, and we'll jump in. It's from Romans 12, verses 9 through 16. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal or fervent in spirit, but serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Let's pray. God, we do just invite you to speak to us. Uh, each of us individually has room to grow in all of these, but maybe there's one particular that, that you would speak to us, and so we invite you to do that. Show us where we need to grow. And I thank you that I can point to so many stories where this is already happening amongst us, and so we rejoice in that and pray that we would become a better loving and caring community uh, here at Midtown Church. In Jesus' name, amen. I should mention, too, that I'm not going to go through all of them. You saw there was way more than six things that were listed there, but I'm focusing specifically on the six that are the one and others that are kind of related to how we relate to one another. But before we even get to the six, we have to start with the very first thing, which is the command to love, because that's really the ultimate command, and all these virtues could be summed up in love. There are all different ways that we could love one another. If you remember, the, the scripture we read last week was in Colossians 3, and it listed six different uh, virtues, and at the very end, it says, and above all these things... Put on love, close yourself with love, because that binds all of these virtues together in perfect unity. So it's all about love. These are just practical ways that we can love one another. So Paul would write this, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with a brotherly affection. So that's the aim, is that our love would be genuine. The genuineness means that it's not fake. The actual Greek translation is like without hypocrisy, like our love for one another should be so genuine from the heart that it's a brotherly affection that we have that comes natural because we love each other and God has moved our hearts to love each other. So that's the aim, and now he's going to give them six specific things that they can do that fit under the banner of love. The first is honor. Honor means to value. It means to value each other. It means that we're ascribing worth to someone. It's saying things like, you're important, or you matter, or you mean something to me. It's, I care about what you think. I care about what you feel. I care about what you believe. Examples of honor would be, it's honor to give someone recognition. You can honor someone by pointing out the good that you see in someone. 
You honor someone by asking them questions, showing that you care about what the person thinks or feels or believes. Honor is treating someone as an individual, believing that they were created in the image of God and worthy of your time and your attention. Honor is ultimately about putting someone else's needs above your own. It's being others-focused. And I love the real specificity of the command here. It's like to outdo one another in honor, right? It's like this is like a great Christian competition. <laughs> like, let's see how we can honor each other above the way the other person's honoring. Can you imagine being in a community where that was completely lived out? A community of people that are really always thinking about the other person first. What a, what a joy that would be. What an incredible community that would be. Can you picture it in your marriages? If you husbands loved your wives more than yourselves and were always thinking about them and honoring them, the wives love their husbands more than themselves and we're always thinking about their needs. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing if we could live that out in our church. One of the ways that I see honor uh, real specifically laid out how to do it is what Paul writes in Philippians when he's writing the church there in chapter 2 and verse 3. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. That's true humility. That's honoring one another. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less and thinking of others more, where their needs and their feelings are always above what you're thinking about yourself. That would be an incredible way to love one another, right? To honor one another. When I was thinking Midtown, I could have pointed to many number of stories, but one that uh, I found uh, particularly uh, meaningful was the conversation that I first had with Cliff and Alice. If you guys know Cliff and Alice, the Collins is there. They're awesome. When I was first getting to know them and we were going through the partnership class together, they told me about some struggles that they had had in their marriage early on and how God had seen them through that. And it was uh, texting, communicating with Cliff some this week, and, and he communicated that one of the things that actually helped save their marriage and bring them to a healthy place was him truly learning how to do this, how to honor, how to always put Alice's needs above his own, and in doing that, they saw their marriage transformed because these are areas that we can grow in. They've told me, too, that they would love to talk with any of you that, that uh, would like to know more about that story. They've given me permission to share that story. But you can grow to honor one another and put others above yourself just as they have and seen the fruit of it. So let me ask, how are you doing with this virtue? Do you have room to grow in honoring others? How does it look in your marriage, your relationships with your friends or your family? So maybe this is the one area that God would have you grow in in this coming year. The second virtue is to contribute. Contribute, which really just means to share. It means seeing tangible needs in someone else's life in the body of Christ and then gathering your resources or pooling other people's resources to help meet those needs. It's having your eyes always open to the needs of others because you're thinking about them and noticing what things they need. Some examples I thought of that are examples of sharing or contributing it's just giving someone a ride to worship on a Sunday morning. It's uh, using some technical skill that you have or some savvy to, to give your time to help someone with a problem that they have. It's giving someone a ride to the airport. It's, it's picking up lunch for someone that you know is in a more difficult financial situation than you are. It's sharing things that you own with others so that they don't have to purchase them. It's letting people borrow your car. All things that we've done here at Midtown Church is giving, contributing to the needs of others. And I love that when you look at the book of Acts, when you first start to see the early church begin to move, it's one of the, the primary ways that the church is described is the way that they were so generous with their time and their money and their resources. In Acts chapter 2, the first kind of description that we get of the church in the Bible, it says that all who believed were together. They had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions, their belongings, distributing all the proceeds to all as they had need. 
I love that. They had everything in common. There was no like, this is mine and this is yours. It's like, this is all of ours. What's mine is yours. <laughs> Mi casa es su casa. Like it's everything I have, everything we have, we're willing to lend and to give and share with each other. When I was thinking of uh, the story this week, uh, some of y'all who've uh, been in meetings with Jake or whatever have known that he's been uh, walking around with a really poor computer, like a computer that has to be plugged in. So every time we have staff meeting or meeting, we have to be near an outlet because the second it comes unplugged, it just dies. <laughs> and so we were at an elder meeting and uh, it kept happening where it was dying on him and, and Alex thought, you know what, like this is dumb. He needs a better computer. <laughs> so let's pull some resources. So he made some calls to just try to, to see if anyone would be willing to contribute and Jason's company happened to have one that they could give at a pretty reasonable price and just made a number of calls. And within a day, we raised enough money to buy that computer and, and present it to Jake. It's seeing a need. It's seeing someone's need and just pulling your resources and contributing, making a way to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters. So how are you doing on this one? How are you doing on contributing? Do you have room to grow and contributing uh, to the needs of others? When was the last time you can point to thinking about a tangible need that you saw in someone and you did something about it? of your own resources or gathered others. So maybe this would be an area where we can aim to grow this year. The third is hospitality. Hospitality really just means to love the stranger. It means that we welcome people into our communities, into our lives, into our homes. It's saying, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you're here. Come on over. You're invited. That's hospitality. Some examples of what hospitality might look like. It's greeting new people on a Sunday morning, making sure people feel welcomed. It's having your friends or family over for dinner. It's allowing someone to stay at your house while they're between jobs and in a financial need. It's inviting people to join you for lunch after worship on a Sunday. It's inviting people to join your midtown community and your small groups in our homes. It's inviting people to be your friend. That's hospitality. When Peter wrote about hospitality in a similar way, I love the way, I love the way that he worded it in 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9. He says, above all, Keep loving each other earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, and show hospitality to, uh, to one another without grumbling. See how he associates the, the primary command, the primary virtue is always love, but one of the ways that we love each other is by showing hospitality. And he acknowledges that it's hard because he asked them to do it without grumbling, right? Do it without grumbling. Like, it's hard if you're hosting people all the time. Like, you don't know all of our MC leaders and others that host things at their homes. Like, there's a lot of cleaning and preparation before and after every single thing that you do in gathering people like that. And so we're prone to grumble, but he says, show this hospitality without grumbling. But it's not just about having people in our homes. Hospitality also takes place in just the way that you open yourself to friendship with other people. And that also can be messy, and that can be hard because you're inviting someone in your life and you're gonna to have to really strive and, and it's take work to get to know someone that's new and to welcome a new person into your life, into your sphere, into your community. Some of you may feel like you're at like relational capacity, like, nope, I don't have any more room for friends. But hospitality is saying every single person I meet, I'm welcoming them, I'm ready to be hospitable and invite them into friendship, even though it's gonna require something of me. When I think about hospitality in our church, I honestly first think about uh, Josh and Kari Chevalier. Uh, some of the most hospitable people that I know. They're always having students and people from their college ministry in their house. Above and beyond that, they've uh, hosted people that were between jobs or in situations where they just needed a place to stay for a couple months. Uh, an incredible example of showing hospitality. I was actually on the phone with my mom yesterday too, and she said that, it was funny, I, she didn't know what I was talking about today, and she said, I feel like God put on my heart for me to make a resolution to have more people in my home. I was like, really? I'm talking about that a bit tomorrow. And she said, yeah, it was just something that I felt like 
I get insecure about my house because it's not very big, it's not very nice, and so I've always thought, well, I don't want to have people over because you know, they're not going to like it. And she said, I realized that was just all about my insecurity, and I just need to have people over and open myself to community. I said, right on. Like, that's, that's hospitality. So how are you doing on hospitality? Do you have room to grow in hospitality? When was the last time that you had people over? Uh, when have you welcomed a new person and invited them into your life and into your community? Maybe hospitality is a place where we can grow in this next year. The fourth one is empathy. He says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Empathy just means sharing feelings. It means that we care enough about someone else that we're rejoicing when they're rejoicing, that we're grieving when they're grieving. It means that we're close enough with others that what they're going through actually affects us. And it assumes, too, that we're in relationships where we know people well enough to know what's going on in our lives and that we're in relationships where we're being vulnerable about the things that are going on in our lives that others can empathize, rejoice, or grieve with us. I thought of some examples of empathy might be like texting your friends with when you have answered prayers or, or something joyful that happened in your life. It's, it's praying for each other, not just when you're together at your Midtown community or here on a Sunday, but, but praying for each other in the middle of the week and reaching out and letting, letting people know that you're thinking about them and you have been praying for them. It's throwing parties and having fun when, when good things happen to people, celebrating with each other. And it's also just being present when there's someone that's suffering or grieving, just being there, available, just to sit with them. It's also the ability to be happy for someone else, even though things might be going poorly for you, that you don't get so caught up in your own feelings of where you are that you're still able to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, even if you're in a place of grieving. In Paul's letter to the uh, Corinthian church, he spent three chapters talking about the body of Christ and what it looks like and how they're supposed to live and work and worship together. And he describes empathy as he's describing the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts of the body that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but its parts should all have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Because we're one body of Christ, we're meant to feel the pain when someone else is feeling pain. We're meant to rejoice when others are rejoicing. We're to be empathetic with one another. When I was thinking about our church, I, I can think of two uh, great examples. I'll just point to our South MC. MC, by the way, is our term for Midtown Community. It's our home groups, so we call them MCs. Um, so our South MC, and I think about our Young Families MC. It wouldn't be fair to share the details, but in each of those MCs, there's, there's been a lot of difficult things that have been happening in people's lives. And to see the way that these MCs have rallied around each other, supported each other, and cared for each other has been a super testimony for us to look on, on from the outside and see empathy displayed in the way that they've cared for those that were hurting in their MC. So I commend the South MC and the, and the Young Families MC in the way that they've cared for each other. So how are you doing on this one? How are you doing on empathy? Do you have room to grow? When's the last time you felt, your, felt yourself super excited and joyful at the success of someone else? When was the last time your life was impacted by the grief or pain that someone else was feeling? Uh, maybe empathy is an area that you could grow in this next year. The next is harmony, where Paul would write, live in harmony with one another. Harmony means really just to seek unity. In doing what you're doing, it's finding a way to work together and maximize differences and, and see how you fit into the whole and seeking unity rather than being divisive, working alongside others that are different from you. It's like harmony in music, right? 
we get the joy of hearing uh, this morning, at least from Jason and Blake. And, and when one person's singing, Jason's singing the melody, it's great. But when Blake chimes in with the harmony, it's just so much more full and real because it's two voices that are coming together for one purpose. That's what harmony is. It's like when we make good music together, we work together and find ways to maximize our differences. Harmony looks like recognizing gifts, your gifts, and serving at Midtown Church. Harmony looks like trusting the direction of the elders and the staff and finding ways to contribute uh, to the vision that we're trying to accomplish rather than just sitting out or complaining. It's focusing on what we agree on rather than being distracted and, and harmed by the things where we disagree. It's focusing on each other's strengths rather than each other's weaknesses. It's seeking peace in every situation. Harmony is working with people that are different than you and finding a way to make it work so that you accomplish more together. Paul would write this in Romans about seeking peace. In Romans 14, he said, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. So the sake of food part was that in that day, one of the biggest theological controversies was about meat sacrificed to idols. And some really godly Christian people believed that you could eat it and it was no big deal. And others thought, no, you shouldn't eat that. That would violate their convictions. And so Paul's saying, I want to raise the level of the discourse that we're not arguing about these things, but we're focusing more on seeking peace and seeking unity. That's what it means to seek harmony, to live harmonious with each other, that we're focusing on the things that we can agree on. One of the things that I love about our church personally is that we have people here in a, in a climate here in the United States right now where the political discourse and, and, and is so uh, violent, <laughs> so much people hating on each other, that in, in our church we have people on all different sides of the political spectrum. And I love that we don't let that divide us. We can have meaningful conversations about why we believe different things, but ultimately we can focus on the person of Jesus whom we all agree upon, whom's more important than which side of the aisle that we stand on, and we, we labor together because we're seeking harmony. I love that I see that in our church. So how are you doing with this virtue? Do you have room to grow in seeking harmony? Do you have a tendency to be divisive or complaining? Can you point to some, some time or something that you are willing to give up or a preference that you are willing to set aside for the sake of unity? Maybe harmony is an area to grow in this year. And finally, we come to the last inclusion. It means to make part of. Paul would write, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sights. So inclusion means to be make, made part of. It's not being proud or thinking that you're better than anyone else. It's showing no discrimination to work with anybody, to befriend anyone, no matter how different they are from you in any type of way, whether it's financial, whether it's rich, whether it's relating to the people who are more wealthy than you or relating to people who are poorer than you. It's about our education. It's about are we willing to uh, relate and care for people no matter if they've been in grad school or they got a GED. It's our marital status that we, we work together, whether we're married, single, divorced. It's our personalities, whether we're the quiet type or the awkward type or the no-filter type or the introvert or extrovert. It's how we look and being willing to work with each other across different ethnic lines and different age groups different factors that, that cause for inclusion, that we're willing to associate with anybody, that we don't set aside in our own little cliques. Uh, Jesus had a brother named James, and James would write to these churches that were kind of scattered about. And one of the things that he wrote to them in James chapter 2, he said, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself, again, it all comes back to the virtue of love, but one of the ways that you show love is following this next command, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. 
So again, he associates it with love, right? It's the way that we love one another. The way that we love one another is to not discriminate, to be inclusive of all, that everyone gets to be part of our community, that no one's on the outside looking in. One of the things that I love about Midtown is, is our diversity in that regard. It's a growing diversity. And just to be real honest, if, if you were following when we did the uh, 21 days of prayer, I mentioned what my prayer that I've been praying for Midtown pretty much every day this year is I've been praying that we would grow by 70 people, but real specifically, I've been praying that we would grow in diversity of ethnicity um, and of age. So we'd have black, white, and brown among us, and we'd have gray among us, meaning gray heads or no hair on heads. Like that's what we really want, right? And I've been so pleased that this last year, the, the number of people who've become partners have been added to our church in the last couple of months, that that's been happening, that we've been growing in, in ethnic diversity, we've been growing in age diversity. And God's answering our prayers because that's what it looks like to be the body of Christ, that we're inclusive of everyone. So how are you doing with this virtue? Do you have room to grow in being inclusive? Are there some people, if you're really honest in your heart of hearts, that you'd rather not be friends, that you'd rather not make time with? Is there discrimination in your head and your heart toward anyone who has less than you do or anyone that has more than you do? Maybe this is an area that we can aim uh, to grow in this year. Now, I've said that from the front, and I'll say from the end, what our real hope and practical application for these uh, two you know, short little two-week series that we've done is that we hope that one, of the, one or two of these things would stick out. And what we're really asking for application would be that as one or two of these stick out, we'd encourage you to do a couple things. Whichever one sticks out, we want you just to do a, a study on it. And one of the easiest things that you can do is you can go to BibleGateway.com or some other resource if you want to use it, and in the search bar, you could just type out harmony or you could type out compassion, and you'll just get a flood of verses that can take you to it. And this year, you could actually study all of those topics. I got a, a, a really encouraging text message from one of you last week that said, that I'm going to study all of these in the next six years. I mean, the next year. <laughs> so I'm going to do, the, the last week it was six, so they, should, this person was going to do two for two months and just continue to study these throughout the year. Like, that's what we want to do. And I'd encourage you, too, when there's a one particular verse that sticks out, that you would memorize it. Commit it to memory to say, yeah, this is the area that I want to grow in in this coming year. And beyond that, and this is a crucial other step that we need to take, is we need to tell other people. You need to tell someone that's part of your Midtown community or a friend here and say, hey, this is where I want to grow. Will you help me? And I'm going to study this, and what's the area where you want to grow? And I'll help you, and let's grow together that we can become the more loving and caring community by practicing these virtues. That's real simply what we want us to do in response to these couple uh, messages. Now, it's real important to say from the start, we said this is hard, right? Like I know one of you said, yeah, I tried to do this from last week and I couldn't do it. I said, yeah, I know it's hard. It's real hard because what we mostly need is we need to continue to go back to the love of God. Last week, I said that loved people love people. Like, if we're going to learn to do this, we first have to be loved, and we have to be loved by each other, and that gets contagious where then we can learn to love others well. But even more importantly than that, we need to go back to the love of God and experience the way that He has loved us, and that's really where our hearts get transformed. And so when we come to take communion and, and worship and sing some songs about God's love and our need for Him today, what we're doing is we're actually pleading with God and saying, God, remind me of your love for me and help me to live these out because I can't by myself. We can't do it by ourselves. We need God to live through us. One of the things that Jesus said on the night that he was going to die and when he had a meal like this with his friends, he said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And he says, I give you a new command. 
And this new command I give is that you love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. He says, as I've loved you, so must you love one another. If we're to love like Christ is, we need him to be living that in us, and we need to dwell on how he's loved us in order for us to be able to love each other the same way. So I'd encourage us as we take communion today to, to dwell on God's love for you and remind yourself as we sing these songs that declare our need for God to live in us, as we declare that, let's make that our prayer, that God's love would be real for us and it could be manifest in the way that we love and care for each other. At Midtown, we practice open communion, so I know there's some uh, visitors here. Anyone's welcome to take communion. We just ask that you would have put your faith in Jesus if you're exploring your faith and are not yet sure that you want to follow him. Uh, we would ask that you just refrain from taking communion until such a time that you would say, yes, this is what I believe and this is who I want to follow. We have communion in the front and in the back. In addition, we have, uh, we're start, starting to do a time during these last three songs where you can actually go receive prayer. And so today, uh, Claire Yench and Jake Box will be back in the back. They have a little name tag. If there's anything that you'd like prayer for personally, they would be glad to pray for you um, and minister to you in that way. Let me pray and let's spend some time in worship. God, we do need you. Pray that as we have this time of worship and reflection that you would speak to our hearts. Show us not just the area that we need to grow, but show us how you've loved us in that way. Let us experience you in a, in a tangible way that reminds us of your love. Uh, fill us with your love that we can be the loving and caring community, that we can practice these virtues and many others. As we dedicate this year of ministry to grow in prayer and care, I, I do pray that this would become a more caring body of believers. Even as we've already given stories about how we've already done that, we still want to grow more and more, transform our friendships, transform marriages as a result of these uh, virtues. And let us love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.